You're listening to the Catholic Psyche Podcast. The Catholic Psyche Podcast is intended for educational purposes only and is not intended to take the place of medical or mental health treatment, therapy, or diagnosis. You should always consult a trained mental health or medical professional for such treatment. And you're listening to the Catholic Psyche Podcast. It is not Friday on the Catholic Psyche. In fact, it is January 1st, 2020. No, it's not. No, okay. I know it's not. I know it's not. <laughs> but I know it's December 28th and it's late at night and we're recording this desperately hoping that the baby won't wake up. But as far as they're concerned, it is January 1st, 2020. Ooh. And this is our uh, our New Year's podcast where we're going to be talking about stuff. So I'm Father Deacon Basil and this is uh, Pani Brittany uh, Balky. She is Pani means uh, deacon or clergy wife. So yeah, today we are talking about the kind of topic of health and wellness and the kind of concept of wellness. You know, first uh, first couple of weeks of January, it's like Christmas Day for gyms, gyms and like yeah, health right? stuff on uh, <laughs> on like you know making sure that they can get enough people and and it's desperately trying to get you know different uh, different people in the door and signed up for their gym. But we typically talk about this in relation to New Year's resolutions and things like that. And I think what has happened is that the Catholic Church and mental health is not immune from that. And in fact, we're in kind of a really unique place where sometimes I think we talk as if the the church in order to be a good catholic you have to have a certain like body type or you have to be mm-hmm. a certain like mm-hmm. have a certain mindset or you can't possibly be struggling with anything mental health wise or anything like that yeah well wellness and total healing and being a christian a good christian people take that on to mean a little bit more about their body than what what the gospel really intended, and I and I'm sitting here speaking, so I'm becoming um, a certified health coach. Right, we should uh, probably mention that that yeah. you are actually you know, you're, you're <laughs> studying to become a uh, certified wellness health and wellness coach, mm-hmm. and, um, I, and there's but, that's a specific credential um, and things like that, and, and it specifically and works out. with health and wellness, and obviously that's why it's called a health and wellness coach. Um, well, and but, that's and that comes out of the reasoning for doing that comes out of my work in physical therapy. Um, and working as a physical therapist assistant. And I guess, yeah, we're, we, you know, obviously we've talked off mic about some of these things and we were just kind of talking about people's approach to health and wellness and the way that it gets unnecessarily tied up in theology or, or wrongly tied up in theology, just some misconceptions and problematic conclusions that are drawn. So we wanted to talk about some of those today. Um, so that as you're planning out your new year, maybe planning out New Year's resolution, hopefully take a little bit of the pressure off to become the perfect triathlon champion. I mean, granted, if you're if you're there and you're ready to become a triathlon champion, far be it for me to discourage that. Right. I mean, but, we're not trying to say don't <laughs> don't move towards some kind of form of wellness or health or right. anything like that. Well, let me just let me just start. So on our Monday show that our question and answer, there's a question about like, what should I do for New Year's resolutions? And of course, I'm ranting and raving about like, one of our daughters um, said that it the 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 uh, New Year's doesn't mean anything. It's just a change on the date of the month. It means absolutely nothing. And you know, I was <laughs> we thinking have a about tiny that. existentialist. Yeah, a little existential uh, <laughs> child there. But uh, you know, I think I think I actually agree with her. In some ways, if you're going to need to change your life. Mm-hmm. Just do it no matter when that is in the in the year. That mm-hmm. could mean mm-hmm. December 23rd. Just start. That Just could mean start. December 23rd. That could mean uh, March 2nd. You know, it doesn't really matter. Mm-hmm. We should just 
find the times to do that. But there is a certain way in which things like 2020, you know, transitioning over for the new year does have a pretty significant impact. Um, you know, life is divided into years. It's divided into decades. Um, and I was thinking to myself, like, how much my life has changed um, in the last decade. I mean, I think that's probably one of the ways in which most people's lives, you know, throughout the totality of your 20s, um, probably changes <laughs> your life more than any other time. But these kinds of things do change. Life is divided up into these things. So just, I guess what I'm trying to say is just because it's the new year um, and you might be listening to this some other time does not mean that these kinds of concepts don't need to be uh, thought about or discussed. But I will also say that it is that this time of year for us. So I think it is worth uh, thinking and meditating upon mm -hmm. in a particular way. So let me just, let me just flat out ask you, since you're in the health and wellness industry uh, now, I guess, which sounds, that sounds. Yes, I am. Deacon she's, Basil. she's flicking her hair and it's uh, yeah. Anyways, because you're in this quote unquote health and wellness industry, um, what <laughs> what, I, what's, the, what's the quote unquote for? Well, I think what I'm trying to say is if you'll let me finish here, oh. dear, um, what I'm trying to say <laughs> is that I find this entire industry extraordinarily frustrating. I find um, not not you specific. Well, maybe you. I find you obnoxious um, <laughs> in other reasons. Frustrating, frustrating for other reasons. But uh, no. But I think I think the particular way that I find it frustrating is things like we'll go back and forth, and you'll send me these most the most ridiculous Instagram posts. Oh gosh, Catholic psyche. Instagram, uh, but you might find the most obnoxious Instagram posts about these different kind of health and wellness stuff, and um, and it's just like you, what are these people possibly thinking? And it's, it's just it it gives the impression. Let me put it this mm -hmm. way: it gives the impression that the entire concept of health and wellness means that people are completely out of touch with what. The life of, I don't know, someone mm -hmm. who is married and has kids and actually, in, in my opinion, has, you know, really kind of done some of the really important things in life mm -hmm. that, mm -hmm. that somehow they're not capable of health or wellness or they need to have some kind of existential like life crisis in their 50s and want to try and act uh -huh. like they're 32 or something. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Yeah, Can no, you... absolutely. I think there's a major we're, – we're seeing in the health and wellness industry, I think, at this point. And I obviously – I'm not – I'm in my early 30s, so I can't say maybe this didn't happen before. I think we're starting to see a divide between people who still believe that health and wellness means being in the absolute tip-top shape, that you have no inflammation in your body. I think inflammation is one of those hot topics that I find a little funny right? Um, because inflammation is actually a really good and necessary process. <laughs> Um, and too much of it is a bad thing too, but anyway, but, but you've got these dichotomies of like no inflammation, no sugar. I've got low body fat. I'm going to uh, no bags under my eyes. I'm using the cleanest makeup brand. I'm eating clean. Clean is a big buzzword right now. And you've got those guys. And then you've got another divide of people who are saying, hold on, we need to look at what's evidence-based. And when you go through evidence-based, there's a few things you look at. You look at the research, number one. You look at clinical expertise, of obviously the experts in the field. And then number three, you're looking at the actual person that you're serving and what is going to serve them and their needs. And in that evidence-based practice of health and wellness, you get a lot of really good, healthy, balanced people. And they are on social media. They, they are there on Instagram. So, you know, you, you can find these. I'm not trying to be down on, on social media and say that it's all people who are sort of on the other side who have what I think is really a misguided idea of, of health and wellness as far as it's just about the aesthetics. It's just about certain buzzwords like eating clean, 
following a specific elimination diet, how many foods can you eliminate from your diet? It almost seems like a contest at this point. And and that dichotomy exists. And I tend to sit more on the evidence-based side just because, you know, my personal experience and my experience with patients and people that I've seen, friends, family, other coaches, is that that evidence-based approach works a lot better for overall wellness. And I think we should define, do we have time to kind of talk about what wellness is? I mean, we're right at the beginning of the podcast. So yeah, I think we probably okay. can squeeze it in here. Okay. Well, <laughs> we should we should define that. We should define wellness. Um, wellness is multidimensional. That's sort of the, the main thing. It's a little bit tricky to define succinctly beyond that, but it is multidimensional. And it's a way of um, cultivating several dimensions of somebody's life. Um, in a way that serves not just so that they are absent of disease, but so that they are really living and thriving. I tend to adopt a sort of sub-philosophy of that. There are sort of little branches that go off from that definition, um, which says that wellness should ultimately be centered around a person's sense of meaning and purpose in life. And some of us would call that spirituality a cult, like combined a combination of your of your values and your sense of meaning and your sense of purpose. Um, without that sense of meaning and that sense of purpose, people tend to not be well, I think. Yeah. Well, I mean, I we've mean, talked yeah. about this. Well, we haven't, but you know, on the Catholic psyche, mm-hmm. we've talked, we mm-hmm. talk about this all the time and particularly the work of Dr. Victor Frankl from a mm-hmm. psychological perspective, he started the form of logotherapy or mm-hmm. the psycho- psychology called logotherapy or the third um, school of Viennese mm-hmm. psychiatry. This mm-hmm. is me just sounding smart, so I can uh, kind of throw throw around names here. But um, <laughs> Dr. Frankel kind of had the concept of what is the actual existential meaning within my life, and how does that keep me going? And of course, he came up with his entire theory most dramatically in the prison camps of Auschwitz and the barracks of Auschwitz, where he, as a prisoner, a fellow prisoner. Um, was doing group psychotherapy sessions with the prisoners in Auschwitz, mm-hmm. trying to ask the kind of meaning, what makes, what gives you meaning when you're, in t- when everything has been stripped from you. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the thing is, is that, okay, that's the most dramatic, perhaps, experience that anyone can go through. But I do also think that there is this, this important concept of like, what is the meaning that I actually have mm-hmm. on a day-to-day basis? Mm-hmm. And I think too quickly, we, uh, you listen to me preach about this all the time at, uh, at our uh, Russian parish, but you know, we too quickly fall into pious platitudes about questions about meaning and all of these other things where it's like, this is what the church tells me the meaning in my life should be, but maybe, or maybe not, I, I might, may or may not actually find that as a, as a meaningful experience in my life right here and now. In fact, maybe I, I, I don't necessarily understand that or have that as a palatable experience. And so it really is this sort of process of saying, what is the meaning that I'm finding in my life? I think also what is the meaning of, you know, Christ being the way, the truth and the light. Mm -hmm. So how do I have an experience of Christ's uh, meaning, the experience of Christ? Mm -hmm. And then how do I move forward on that so that I can experience both of those as a authentic whole together. Well, and and what I heard you just mention there when you, you were talking about like the church says that this should be my meaning, but maybe I don't actually feel that or, right. or experience that in some way. Um, and so I've been reading over the last few months, Carl Rogers on becoming a person. Right. And I think one thing that he really emphasizes is that idea of people will often talk about 
you know, so-and-so says that I should do this. My church says that I should do do this or be this way or see things this way. And again, I think we can extend this to talking um, about health and wellness. My doctor says that I should want to lose weight, but but I, I don't. don't. Right. But I don't. Right. I don't see a, a connection. And that's one of the things that I'm excited about being a health coach is that, you know, we help people make connections because there is might be that little part of you that says, like, I kind of feel like that might be a good idea, but I really don't want to. Right. Right. Um, but I hear you talking about that sort of like external that those external forces versus the actual internal experience. Right. And, mm-hmm. and Carl Rogers, we should say Carl Rogers, founder, uh, well, not really. Well, founder of person-centered or client-centered psychotherapy, but particularly within that humanistic psychotherapeutic um, modality, really uh, just a phenomenal um, phenomenal uh, psychotherapist from really the end of the 60s into the 70s and uh, you know, just really talked about how to be with the individual, mm-hmm. um, which is mm-hmm. sounds really pretty obvious when you um, – <laughs> Especially for like psychotherapy or coaching or any of those kinds of things. But it was actually something that was not fully understood or or fully appreciated back Mm -hmm. at that time. Where it's like, I need to see the person where they really are. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. From an empathetic, you can Mm -hmm. listen to our podcast on empathy, but, you know, from an empathetic um, and congruent and positive regarding perspective. Mm -hmm. Well, and um, that, and that the person themselves has it within themselves um, to discover and find what is needed for them to become who they are meant to be right and for them to continually evolve yeah now it strikes me and i i'm I'm just kind of curious about this it strikes me that you know up until this point really at its core we really have not said anything about you know exercise plans or (laughs) any of those kind of things and i think where the point that we're both kind of beating around the bush with here but that wellness at its core does not necessarily mean having uh, being a physical wellness. Um, no, and that's, in fact, no. I would say that a meaning wellness, mm-hmm. well, wellness from a logotherapeutic perspective, mm-hmm. might mean that you are still struggling. You might be struggling with um, a terminal illness, mm-hmm. but you can still find mm-hmm. meaning, and that actually is a form of wellness in the situation Absolutely. with which you find yourself. Absolutely, and and within that, within that terminal or chronic illness, I, I I'm glad you mentioned that because. That seems to be uh, the group of people who get left out of wellness so much unless they're being addressed as problems who need to be fixed. But within living with chronic illness or a terminal illness, you you can still find meaning and thereby find wellness. You can even within that look for ways to to enhance your physical wellness to serve that sense of meaning. And that's what really health and fitness and wellness should be about. All of that physical stuff should really be about enabling you to continue to continue to explore your life's meaning and to live out your life's meaning and your life's purpose. Right. So sometimes I think the temptation with the Instagram mm-hmm. wellness health coaches mm-hmm. is that they are so reductionistic to the mm-hmm. point where they think mm-hmm. that the only well I'm I'm painting with well, a very and, broad and, strokes here, but you know the idea being that I, I I have to have a certain physical wellness as the pride of place beyond mm-hmm. everything else. I would just caution anybody from saying that, from saying that one form of wellness. If I have physical wellness, I'm going to somehow be then I'm going to be perfect and my mm-hmm. life is going to be great. Or even if I have psychological wellness, then mm-hmm. my life is going to be mm-hmm. perfect. Or even I would go so far as to say. If I have spiritual wellness, mm-hmm. then somehow my life is going to be completely put together. 
I can be having a fulfilling and wonderful spiritual life and still be struggling with depression, OCD, mm-hmm. or any other psychological right. issue that still needs to be addressed because the human person is not just simply a spirit, mind, or body mm-hmm. disconnected from any of the others. And, and life is dynamic. So any of those dimensions of wellness, I I like the SAMHSA model. They have eight dimensions of wellness um, that tend to be tend to really cover everything. And so for those those who don't know, SAMHSA oh, is the uh, substance abuse and mental health. Oh, I'm forgetting substance abuse and mental health services administration. Right. So um, it's kind of a, a, mm-hmm. a nationwide program mm-hmm. that. It's got a lot of great assessments and great stuff mm-hmm. out there, great trainings that you know we've done mm-hmm. in practice and things like that. But yeah, sure, go yeah, ahead. Yeah, so so they, model. So, so they lay out eight dimensions of wellness, which include within that there's spiritual, um, there's uh, various psychological, and then there's physical wellness, of course. And there, because life is dynamic, because life is always changing and throwing new circumstances at you, it's virtually impossible to reach a state where you feel like I've got all of these eight dimensions under control now. And I think what a lot of people on Instagram, doctors, healthcare professionals, what what we try to tell you is that you you should somehow arrive at a place where all eight of those are under control. But that's just absolutely impossible. I mean, that's that's exactly why there are doctors, there are psychologists, there are therapists, there are social workers, all of the above to to be there for you when life throws you a new challenge that throws you off from one of those or one or more of those eight dimensions. Yeah. And, and the whole point being that there are manifold. I don't even know what all eight of them are by the by, but um, I can find them really quick. Oh, oh good. Um, <laughs> but you know, the whole point being that the human person is not just one of them, and mm-hmm. that we're we're complex. And I'll put there the Catholic CEO of a major corporation and the hermit out in the desert all have these no matter what. Mm-hmm. And I think the problem is is that sometimes we view the human person in that reductionistic attitude. I'll use an example. I think that you know. For example, one of the things might be theology of the body. I think theology of the body is fine in itself and where it talks – and quite frankly, John Paul II, St. John Paul II did not address every topic mm-hmm. about the mm-hmm. uh, concept of the human person when it comes to the body. And I think that that's, that's wonderful. But that doesn't mean that we only ever just need theology of the body from a theological perspective and his um, writings. And we have to have an understanding of, of all of these different kind of concepts mm-hmm. and that mm-hmm. because it is a manifold and um, – a manifold process. Mm-hmm. You're looking at me. Do you want me to give? Why don't you go ahead and read the uh, <laughs> the eight? I wish you guys could see our hand gestures and our faces on this. We'd podcast. have to edit them out. We'd have to blur out all of the uh, all of the inappropriate <laughs> gestures that you're that you're pointing at my at me. Um. So the eight dimensions of wellness, uh, according again, this is uh, SAMHSA's model. There are several uh, models of wellness out there, but this is a um, a good and well-established one. Occupational wellness, which is about um, personal enrichment, engagement with one's work. Physical wellness, kind of what we typically think of as your physical health. Social wellness, uh, relationships, interconnectedness with others. Intellectual wellness, are you engaging in things that stimulate your intellect, creativity, things like that. Spiritual wellness, aligning one's beliefs and values with one's worldview. That's your sense of meaning and purpose. Um, Emotional wellness, this is emotions, expression of your feelings in, in a way that, again, is 
serving your your values and your meaning. Financial wellness, a sense of financial security, environmental wellness. So this is more about your your surroundings. Do you feel like your your surroundings cultivate an ability for you to be well? So it's not just simply about recycling. It's about yeah, yeah. You know, I, mean, I, mean, <laughs> I suppose you could make that part of it, but yeah, you know, it's yeah. the idea of do I live in a situation where you know, I can thrive mm-hmm. uh, physically? Mm-hmm. Are those all eight? I wasn't paying attention. Was there any more? Oh dear, I didn't count. Those are eight. Those are eight. Mm-hmm. Oh, good, good. Um, <laughs> this is professionalism here. Right. You see that? Uh, when you were talking, I was kind of reminded of the concept of a psychologist in the in the seventies named Maslow, and he had this concept of the uh, Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Indeed. And- in- indeed. I learned um, about this. Did you? Okay. No. So Maslow's <laughs> hierarchy. Um, I took psych 101 in college, but uh, right. anyways, um, Maslow's <laughs> hierarchy of needs was the concept of basically think of it as a pyramid. Think of it as the as the as the food pyramid. You start off at the very base and you work your way up to the top. And mm-hmm. the base is things like food and shelter. You know, you can't really be having these deep psychological mm-hmm. um, insights about yourself if you're desperately just trying to find. Uh, your next meal and you're starting mm-hmm. to that. I think that's a pretty keen insight that sometimes we have to work in order to get ourselves to deeper, uh, well, deeper places. And and I feel like that's one of these areas where the the health and wellness industry, especially, you know, you and I live in an area where it's one of the healthiest places in the world. So people are like going more for extreme fitness as well, not just on the internet. It's it's in your doctor's office, it's at the gym, you know, everywhere. And there's this forgetfulness about some of the things that a lot of real people are going through that threaten that sense of safety, that threaten that sense of security. One of the one of the people that I follow on Instagram, his name is uh, Jordan Syatt. He's a really great guy to follow if you want a good sort of balanced view of things. But he was relating a story about some people who wrote to him. He was doing something that he called the Big Mac Challenge, where he was eating a Big Mac every day to demonstrate that even as this bodybuilder, very fit guy, he could eat a Big Mac every day and not somehow like wither away in in whatever it is people are scared of in the, in the health world. <laughs> so, right, right. So just because um, he has a Big Mac every day for however mm-hmm. long, how long was it? Do you know um, it was for a month. It was for, for a month. month. Okay. Um, then and, that doesn't necessarily mm-hmm. mean that he's going to die mm-hmm. and um, become right. this raging depressed person. <laughs> uh-huh. um, yeah, no. And, I, I, I mean, I think, I think that's really true. Well, so, so somebody wrote to him and they said, thank you so much for doing this. We were major gym rats. I, I think that was the exact phrase that they used. So I'm not trying to be derogatory there. We were going to the gym all the time. We were very healthy, interested in clean eating, all of that. All of a sudden, their their financial situation went under and they weren't able to afford all of the things that enabled them to be this sort of extreme level of fit anymore. They were not able to go and buy groceries. And they were, because of that, they were getting coupons in the mail for like Big Macs and things. And so they were going and eating hamburgers and they were telling Jordan how much they appreciated that, that he was doing this Big Mac challenge because they felt a lot of anxiety around not being able to afford the healthy lifestyle that they were able to live before. And it was super heartwarming because a bunch of people, uh, Jordan sent money and then a bunch of people wanted to um, pool together money as well. But apart from that, I think the most important thing is this realization that this extreme level of health and wellness is a huge privilege. 
Like we we shun off white bread because oh my gosh, that's that's just a, a naughty processed carbohydrate. But that's what keeps a lot of people from starving. No, I, I mean I have always maintained that you know you don't have time for health and wellness in the mm-hmm. third world um, mm-hmm. as it mm-hmm. is presented on mm-hmm. on. Um, on Instagram, mm-hmm. um, but I, I, I want to get back to this concept of the of the hierarchy of needs because mm-hmm. I do think that sometimes we desperately try and set these standards of um, of, of whatever they might be, but we, we try and jump to the very end um, of it from a psychological perspective, saying mm-hmm. that we have self actualization, which mm-hmm. is the kind of height. I think mm-hmm. that's that's where the sugars um, on the food pyramid would be, right? <laughs> um, but you know, we try and jump to the idea of. Um, the very height of it as quickly as possible. And I'll have people come into therapy and basically ask, you know, how long is this going to take? And, you know, I can give them a, a required by law, actually, to be able to answer that question to say, you know, it's going to take X amount of weeks or however long. Um, and But, you know, at the same time, to really do this kind of level of self-discovery will not just simply be a two-week process or a six-week mm-hmm. process. And, um, you know, that, that's, that you have to do some ground da- foundational groundwork um, to be able to really kind of get to that level very, very deeply. I'm thinking mm-hmm. of like all of the different mm-hmm. treatment plans that I write up from a psychological perspective. It's like you can't be trying to work on past relational traumas from a like couple's uh-huh. perspective uh-huh. if the couple can't communicate, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, so you have to be able to open up communication within the family or within mm-hmm. the couple so that you might be able to have these larger kind of communication-based uh, conversations about difficult things. And my whole point about this is to say that you know, very often I think we, we – jump too quickly to the very end and say that the human, you know, that, that, oh, I should be capable of X, Y, and Z, um, instead of saying, well, this is a very staged kind of process. And I think this is the case from, from the spiritual life. I think it's the case in the psychological life. I think mm-hmm. this is in all of those different levels of wellness. It's really there. You and, know? and I think people need to ask themselves, what is the level that I want to reach at this point, because for some people who really are athletes, for some people who feel a really deep longing to run a triathlon, to go a little bit more extreme, that that makes sense. Maybe that really serves their, again, going back to their sense of purpose and meaning that serves their sense of purpose and meaning. Um, but you know, so often when I was um, working in physical therapy, one of the things that people said with the most sincerity and the most sort of heartfelt expression was, I'm so excited because I can finally get on the floor and play with my grandchildren again. Right. You know, it, for them, it, it was the height of being well again for that point at their life was being able to connect with their family members in that way. Their inability to move a certain way was preventing that. And so I think as we go into the new year, as you come up with your your goals for the new year, and I think especially from a Catholic point of view that asks, what is God's purpose for you in your life right now? Your your goals could be framed around what is that purpose? Does it need to be running a triathlon? There's nothing wrong with that if that's what you want to do. But there's also nothing wrong with saying, I just want to be able to play with my kids and also make sure that I'm living long enough to serve them. Or, or, or you know, basic stuff. I mm-hmm. mean, and I think, mm-hmm. I think working up towards those mm-hmm. higher levels mm-hmm. might be really mm-hmm. important. I mean, I'll just use the example of we as Eastern, as Byzantine mm-hmm. Catholics, as, as Russian Catholics. I mean, we struggle with this 
um, through and through when it comes to like things around fasting, for example, mm-hmm. and we get people who come in and want to try to do the full fast right off the bat for great Lent is no meat for or dairy for the entire fast. <laughs> It's right. Awful. No, it's us... not. It's wonderful, and we should not try and uh, uh, denigrate it's... that outright. Uh, Thank you. But uh, no meat, no wonderful. dairy. Okay, great. So in the Byzantine rite, there's no meat, no dairy for the entire Lent. There's a process of only fish a couple of days. You know, there's no mm-hmm. wine, which mm-hmm. means no alcohol and no oil, so nothing cooked. Um, you know, with fried for the entire fast. And I think a lot of times people try and get clean Monday. We start fasting on a monday clean monday you know then try and do that all the way from the beginning it's like i i really think that to to do the full fast you really have to work up to that over several years right Mm -hmm. just biologically you have to do that haven't even done it yet right but you have to do that biologically as well (laughs) so i think the whole point being that you have to slowly but surely work yourself up to that over several years mm-hmm. or or simply things like you know if i want to be able to pray more maybe i need to i don't know go and buy a book on on prayer and read it and kind of conceptualize it or maybe i need to pray the liturgy of the hours mm-hmm. maybe instead of trying to jump to some kind of deep uh experience of uh adoration or you know whatever it might be every single day where i get in the car and i go right after work to adoration for an hour um whatever maybe i should just try praying morning prayer every morning you know yeah and 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 the whole point being that it's these little stage things in the spiritual and emotional and psychological and even physical life that can make significant differences Mm -hmm. and i think that those are paradoxically the things that actually change life more and more Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. great so i think the kind of key about this would be maybe one or two tools uh that might be helpful Okay, you, if you're going to say it, you, you have to not whisper it because it makes editing out of this a real pain in the neck. Um, but uh, maybe one or two tools. Finding tools. Um, the the first tool that I that comes to mind for me from a, both a psychological and a spiritual perspective, I'm a huge fan of, and it's the Examine Prayer by Saint Ignatius of Loyola, and it's a, a process and a prayer process of saying, let me look over my day and see where God was present and where I wasn't disposed to God's grace at different times. And then to make a resolution to work on it in the future. So for example, if I, I don't know, left the house angry because I couldn't find my, uh, my glasses, uh, before my, I don't know, 7am appointment, uh, hypothetically speaking, hypothetically, here, um, hypothetically, if I left that, the maybe the little adjustment that I need to make, um, so that I'm not angry for the entire morning might be, I need to remember every night to put my glasses in the ledge um, leading to the uh, mm-hmm. leading into the mm-hmm. kitchen, you know, which is where some deacon therapist puts them every single night, except for one or two nights of week, um, <laughs> then he can't find them. <laughs> um, but you know, the whole point being like, okay, I can find those little adjustments and those little processes mm-hmm. that can move forward. And um, it's, it, the link is in the description. But you know, I think that Father Timothy Gallagher, um, who is a, a priest of the uh, Oblates of the Blessed Virgin Mary, and he happens to be here in Denver. Um, mm-hmm. But he uh, wrote a phenomenal book, um, and I'm still expecting royalties after how many people I have sent to go buy this book, Father. Uh, but uh, <laughs> you know, he wrote a phenomenal book called The Examine Prayer. Um, it's available on Amazon. Link is in the description, and he really kind of outlines this entire process in in a lot of detail, and really mm-hmm. kind of helps for that kind of development. Now, that's a spiritual intervention if you will that's a spiritual process but that is as well a psychological process Mm -hmm. and you Mm -hmm. it's not that big of a jump skip and a hop to saying okay it's not just about 
sort of the spiritual experience of it was what was my emotions? What was I like mm-hmm. emotionally throughout mm-hmm. this day, which may or may not have a moral component to it, right? Mm-hmm. If I'm a grumpy, angry grouch and I snap at, um, I don't know, the people that I work with, for example, if I snap at Chris, for example, um, <laughs> which I don't know that I ever have, but if I did, um, that would, you know, there's a moral component to that, but you know, you can kind of look back and trace this and trace over time. It's like, boy, I get really, I'm just using the example of anger, but it's like, boy, I get really angry every day at around 11 o'clock. Well, maybe I just am hungry. You know, mm-hmm. that could be an example mm-hmm. of that. So th- these, that, uh, intervention, that exam in prayer is a phenomenal process. I am tagging off of the exam in prayer. I think a lot of that goes into mindfulness concepts. Um, Dr. Greg Bataro, I think he's a doctor. I just said doctor. If he's, he's not, a psych- he's a, psych- uh-huh, he's a psych- uh-huh. psychologist. Yeah. Um, he wrote a book called the mindful Catholic. So I, mindfulness gets a bad rep in the Catholic and the Christian worlds. Um, because it's, uh, it, it tends to get misunderstood as this sort of I, far Eastern spiritual concept. Yeah. Well, I mean, let's it, just, we've done not. an entire podcast. On oh, this. you if have. You, awesome. If there's okay. questions about mindfulness and if you really do believe that it's somehow evil, um, okay, that's fine. We can't possibly try and convince you of that <laughs> anymore. Um, and quite frankly, I'm tired of trying to have to justify it's, an entire Eastern, uh, Christian concept. Um, that happens to mirror a lot with Far Eastern concepts. It, there's well, no point in us trying to have this debate anymore. I'm well, sorry, I mean, I'm now on. While I've been saying there's no point to having this debate anymore, I've been talking you're for still the last going on. 30 seconds about my frustration <laughs> with this, but go ahead. Um, no, no, no. So uh, the Mindful Catholic is a really good resource because I think the examine at its core um, is, is a mindfulness practice. And I think before we can even set any of these goals, um, like you were kind of talking about, you have to be mindful of what is going on. Where are the places where I'm not really living up to um, the meaning and the purpose that I want to have? Um, And then practically, one of the things I think we can do, I think especially, I, I feel like one of the cognitive distortions that we fall into as Catholics a lot is the all or nothing thinking. Um, I'm sure there's a lot to be analyzed as to why that is. Um, but I'm just going to go with it. So I think when at the heart of this, this idea behind what we're talking about with the dichotomy of health and wellness and everything, um, being mindful of where, where do you have that all or nothing thinking and where could you sort of set up, um, a bare minimum, which is like a good enough, um, a second best and maybe an ideal. So I used to use this a lot with physical therapy patients in terms of setting their home exercise program. Um, because I look, I know, like I set up exercises for people to do, and I know that most likely people are going to go home, um, because they have real lives and things to do and they get tired and all kinds of other stuff. They're going to do about 75% of it. Maybe sometimes you get those patients who really can do everything and that's awesome. Um, but what I like to sit down and talk about is what would be the good enough here? Um, so as you're, as you're planning your goals, what would be the good enough? What would be the smallest amount of change that you could make? Because small, consistent changes, small, ordinary habits are going to lead to extraordinary results as long as they are consistent. That's why I say habit. Um, right. Well, and I'm reminded of the phenomenal book uh, called The Power of Habit, mm-hmm, you know, which mm-hmm. is a very long kind of 
over overdrawn at times kind of description of how habits do affect us mm-hmm. and so mm-hmm. you know this ability to kind of notice that that uh i forgot what you said what's the lowest one um so so the lowest one would be your sort of good enough okay good enough um and then what was the middle one the middle one would be your second best so second best and then and then and ideal. then the ideal and and i think that that's i think it's important to have an ideal mm-hmm. um but mm-hmm. i think that's true from the spiritual life and i think that's true you know, look Every single day, if I wake, if I, my, mm-hmm. I close my eyes to go to bed, mm-hmm. and I realize that I haven't prayed, I haven't um, done the examine prayer in any way, or whatever I, whatever my spiritual practice is, mm-hmm. Eastern, Western, whatever it might be, what is the bare minimum I'm going to do in that situation, mm-hmm. right? And maybe mm-hmm. that could be an mm-hmm. Our Father, and mm-hmm. forget about it. I'm going to bed, what, whatever it might be. But <laughs> I think that that is a really important concept. So it's it's the bare minimum, and then maybe if if it's, you know, 10 o'clock at night and I normally go to bed at 1030, okay, what is the sort of good enough? Well, maybe it's mm-hmm. night prayer from the mm-hmm. Liturgy of the Hours or maybe it's Compline from the, you know, in the Eastern or, practice or whatever it might you be. You're saying that's your second camera. best? Right, or, right. Mm-hmm. And then the mm-hmm. ideal might be a full, I don't know, the full cycle um, mm-hmm. in the Roman, mm-hmm. right? Don't nobody should do the except monks should do the full cycle of the byzantine right <laughs> we're just using um, examples right but you get the idea you know mm-hmm. so that that could be the process of kind of breaking it down because it gives you something to work towards and it also gives you something to to also work around mm-hmm. there is another one um by bj fogg um he is famous for the tiny habits method so what he recommends is that I you thought have that was saint Therese of lisieux Oh, I'm sorry. (laughs) She didn't quite break it down this way. He recommends that to build these habits, you have, number one, an anchor moment, um, which is um, you're going to uh, make sure that you're performing this new habit after something that's already established. Um, So after I, I, I'm very into making breakfast. That's my favorite part of the morning is eating the food and the coffee. You make breakfast? Well, this is a surprise for I me. Should, I guess not the making, that, the eating breakfast. I was about to say about what, 30 minutes after I leave is when you make breakfast? I'm sorry. So let's say, you know, eating breakfast is established for me. <laughs> eating breakfast, drinking coffee, that's established. So if I wanted to fit in more physical activity, if I wanted to make sure that I was getting in like my my 10 minutes of arm exercise. That's a lot for arm exercise. Five minutes of arm exercise. We're going small here. Then that breakfast is going to be my anchor moment because that is already established. Then you're going to add a new tiny behavior. Um, So that's going to be my five minutes of my arm strengthening exercise so that I can pick up my kids and not get totally worn out or deal with back pain at the end of the day. Then number three, you're going to have an instant celebration for what you did. So that instant celebration um, could just be a hurrah, I did it, as cheesy as that sounds. Um, just something small that you can do after you perform that habit, usually just like a, like a pat on the back um, is is a good way to go. He doesn't recommend like big hurrahs right i mean this is this is very similar to um the psychological research around habit which Mm -hmm, is mm -hmm. you know trigger uh habit itself the Mm -hmm. actual action and then Mm -hmm. the reward associated with it Mm -hmm. this comes out of you know bf skinner's work on behaviorism and the idea that yeah we can make rats do all sorts of crazy things and Mm -hmm. um you know, mm-hmm. that, that was really fun in undergrad, but you know, you could do all of those <laughs> kind of things, but you can also, 
uh, train ourselves mm -hmm. in those different kinds of ways through the same sort of process. And I think you're absolutely right. If we can find those little rewards and, and explicitly saying, I mean, I don't know that I would ever say, hooray, I did it. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I think, um, I think if we can celebrate those things, I think that can be a really effective process as well. So, well, you know, unfortunately, we should probably wrap it up about here. But mm -hmm. I think, you know, the real kind of key takeaway, I think, if, if I can kind of summarize as as uh, we therapists are loath to do, um, as a therapist here, I will summarize. But the the kind of process here is that wellness is not simply one aspect of the human person taken to an extreme. Mm -hmm. um, in fact, it is a holistic aspect of the human person in every in every way. And and for every single person, no matter what. If you're going through a disease process, if you are something that you consider is not an ideal weight, you've got a colostomy bag, you've got mental health issues, it, it or doesn't matter. Or spiritual issues or whatever it might be. You're made in the image of God. Wellness is is for you. Right. You know, different ways in which we can understand the human person. And I think looking at those small things to build onto the greater ones, mm -hmm. but also at the same time looking at uh, those habits that can build up to it over a period of time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. through either the exam and prayer, throughout mindfulness practices, um, which was really just a way of kind of checking in. Mm -hmm. And then finally mm -hmm. through that concept of, of habit. So mm -hmm. there's quite a few resources down in the uh, description at this point. Should probably wrap up there and leave it there. But uh, this has been the Catholic Psyche Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Y'all take care. Bye now. <laughs>